Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And let me just make sure I get everything straight. The belt, I'm, I done got small, y'all. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 10, and we're in the series called Rest. The series called Rest, and I'll give you the title after I read. It says, for the law... Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 10. I'll be in the King James Version for some of this, and then I'll also be uh, in the NLT, and I'll let you know when I read the particular versions. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 10 reads, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the concerns thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book that is written to me, of me, and to see this Jesus and God having a conversation, to do thy will, O God, above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Mark that in your Bibles. Highlight that. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Lord, I ask for your power and grace to rest upon me. Bring a word like only you can. Thank you for relaxing me and allow us to just have a great moment with you. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. I want to speak to you from the subject. God does not want your sacrifice. I know, I, know, I know I'm going to scare somebody. God does not want your sacrifice. Man is imperfect. He's short of what he should be. Just in case you didn't know, woman is too. <laughs> he is sinful and evil. He curses and cheats and lies and steals. He deceives and gossips, grumbles, gripes, judges, discriminates, hates, assaults, Fights, wars, and kills, he is selfish, hoarding, indulgent, extravagant, wasteful, and polluting. He's lustful anymore. You get the point. We ain't right. Even sometimes when we deal with God, we neglect, ignore, deny, reject, and even curse God. All this means one thing. Man can never live with God. Man is far too short of the perfection that a person must have to live with God. What can be done then? There is only one thing. Man's sins have to be cleansed and washed away. Man is guilty. 
Therefore, he has to bear the guilt of his sins, face the court of judgment and condemnation. His only hope of escape, of ever being acceptable and accepted by God, is for a substitute to be sacrificed for his sins. If a substitute can take his guilt and be sacrificed for his sins, if a substitute can bear his judgment and condemnation, then man can be free of sin and his guilt. Man can be counted perfect, perfectly free of sin, and thereby he can become acceptable to God. This is exactly what has happened. God has established two covenants with man. Under the first covenant, the Old Testament, animals were sacrificed for man's sins. The animal had to be pure and flawless, having no impurity or flaw whatsoever when it was sacrificed. So you, and, but sometimes God would even kill the animal on the altar and kill the person if they brought a flawed animal, even if they couldn't tell that it was flawed on the outside because it had an impediment on the inside. God only wanted a, a perfect bullock, a perfect calf. He didn't want anything messed up. Then the sacrifice, it symbolized that a sinless life was bearing the sins of men. That man's sins were being laid up. A, a, a sinless life who was bearing the guilt and condemnation of sin for man. That a perfect and flawless life was being sacrificed as a substitute for sin for man. However, note a critical point. Animals are not perfect. They are as much a part of this physical and material earth as men are. They age and die just like we do. Therefore, the sacrifice of animals was an imperfect sacrifice. And this is why Jesus was having a conversation with God in the Holy of Holies in the Hebrews, what we just read. They were bound to be only symbolizing and pointing to the perfect sacrifice that was yet to come. Note another fact as well. An animal is not a man. Therefore, it could never be an acceptable sacrifice or substitute for man. The only sacrifice that could become a sacrificial substitute for man would be another man, and that man would have to be the perfect and ideal man. Why? Because only the ideal righteousness could ever cover other men. Why? Because only the ideal righteousness could cover other men. A sinful righteousness is no better than the righteousness man already had. What man needs is the perfect ideal righteousness that can stand for and cover him, that can present him to God and make him acceptable as righteous and sinless. This brings us to the second covenant of God. God established the new covenant or testament, the new testament with man. This is the point of the passage to show that Jesus Christ is the minister or mediator of the new covenant the, uh, with man. In fact, Jesus Christ himself is the perfect sacrifice for the sins of men. See, look, the old sacrifices were powerless and ineffective for five reasons. See, Sister Reba like when I do points, so let her know if she ain't at 8 o'clock, I'm doing five points. Watch this. The old covenant, the law, was only a shadow of good things to come. A shadow. Let me read it to you in Hebrews 10.1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come. I've just read it. This is the part, first part. It was the law of the Old Testament that spelled out that animal sacrifices were to be offered for sins of men. But no, the law was only a shadow. 
See, see, I got to, I got, see, I got to help y'all. See, the law was not the embodiment of the perfection that was to come. It was only a shadow. And in the Greek, no, in the Hebrew, skion is the word for shadow right here. S-K-I-A-N. The word means a dim outline, a reflection of the perfection that was to come. The word even has the idea of foreshadowing of pointing forward. That is, a shadow means there is a reality behind the shadow. See, your shadow ain't you. Come on, somebody. When you walk through an alley, sometimes you might get scared by your own shadow, but that's not you. It's, 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 it's not you. When we see a shadow, it's only the reflection of the real thing. The point is, the shadow is not real. It is only Im, an imperfect reflection of the real thing. See what I'm saying? It ain't even talking about the mirror. It, it's saying that this old sacrifices with the animals was a shadow. It wasn't a reflection because at least in a reflection, you can see your face. You can see if you need to clean your eyes. You can see if you need to wash your face. You can get your hair right. You, 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 can, you, can, cut, you can do whatever you need to do because you can see yourself in a mirror. But he's saying this is a shadow. It's not perfect. The point is, it, in its sacrifice for sin were only a shadow of better things. The law and its sacrifices did not possess the perfection or power necessary to forgive sins. But they did reflect the point to the perfection and power that was to come in the Lord Jesus. The sacrifices for sin were repetitious, re 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 repetitious. They, they, they left a conscience for sin. Look, look, it's a shadow of what was to come. Everything in the Old Testament is, is leading up to the New Testament. See, now you don't need to go get a turtle dove. You know how we've seen the 12 days of Christmas? You don't need to go get a turtle dove for this and a bullock for that and a cow for this and a lamb for that. And you don't need to go get all that stuff and pigeons for this because you, you had certain sins. You had to sacrifice certain things. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? And so if you heard me say something wrong, you had to go make a sacrifice just because you heard me say a wrong word. That was the law of Leviticus, but he understood you couldn't do it on your own. But let me, let me build up to the point, because this whole series is about this. You're going to need this series. The offering of sacrifices, number two, had to be repeated year by year, time after time. This shows they were powerless to forgive sins. See, if they were per the perfect sacrifice, they would never have to be repeated. Perfection completes, fulfilled, satisfies, and finishes, or else it is not perfect. Note exactly what the verse says. The sacrifice cannot continually make the commerce thereunto perfect. The desperate need of man is to be made perfect. But animal sacrifices for sins fail. They are powerless to make us open, to make us perfect. The very fact that we had, that they had to be offered time and time again over and over and over showed they did an incomplete job. They never finished the work of redemption and salvation. If, if you clean the sanctuary right, I won't have to tell you to come back in here and clean it again until somebody else come. But if you would have done it right the first time, you wouldn't have to repeat. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Because if it's done perfect. You don't need to come do it again. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. So look, three, the offering of sacrifices were never remove the awareness and consciousness of sin. Man always had a guilty conscience, a sense of being sinful. 
How do we know this? Because he was always repeating the sacrifice over and over again. If he had sensed that a perfect sacrifice had been made, if he would have sensed that his sins had been removed once and for all, that the, per that the perfect sacrifice had been made, that, that made him forever acceptable to God, then he would have had no need to keep doing it over and over again. But the offering of animal sacrifices never gave him his freedom of conscience. They were powerless to do so. Therefore, they were not the perfect sacrifice needed so desperately by man. The sacrifices for sin were actually a reminder they could never erase. They were just pretty much saying, God, I know, I'm sorry, I did it again. You helped me get home down 64 again. Let me go get my cat. And sacrificed my dog yesterday. <laughs> Four. The animal sacrifices were actually a reminder of sins. I know I'm just repeating myself a little bit. Not a remover of sins. Every time an offering was made, the person was reminded of his sins, reminded that his sins still stood between him and God, and they had to be atoned for time after time forever. If he was ever to be acceptable to God, the sacrifices of sin were powerless. They never removed sin. It was just a ritual was showing God that you were sorry. Number five, the offering of animal sacrifice were powerless to take away sins, powerless to make a person acceptable to God. Why? Several logical reasons stand out. Animals have different natures than men. How can an animal's life stand and represent the life of a man? Animals are not and cannot live a life of man. Would you send your dog to represent you in court and stay at home? I surely hope not. And they, might, they might lock you up for other reasons. So if you wouldn't send your dog, come on somebody, to represent you in natural court, you definitely don't need your cow, your turtle dove, your pigeons. Come on somebody, you don't even want to bring them in the house. <laughs> of course they can't stand for you in spiritual court. You don't even want to send your dog to natural court. Oh, Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, animals were not the ones who willfully sinned and neglected or ignored God. It was them. Plus, an animal didn't willfully go get sacrificed. You put that lamb on there. That lamb didn't want to go for you. You put that lamb on the altar because you messed up, but it didn't willfully go anywhere. Yeah, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I'm going to build up to it. You need to have a willful sacrifice, and it needs to be a willful sacrifice who's perfect. Oh, yeah, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, Galatians gets mad at folk. It says in Galatians 3, 3, are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? He's saying, look here, you know you can't do this on your own, yet you keep trying to go get these sacrifices. I done already told you Jesus is your sacrifice. I'm going to get to it. I'm, 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 I'm. In Hebrews 7, 18 and 19, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before, uh, going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof, for the law made nothing perfect. See, the law couldn't make you perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. Hebrews 8, 13. 
in that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. He's doing away with it. Hebrews 9, 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. He's saying you gave these sacrifices, but they couldn't make you perfect. Hebrews 10, 1, where we're at right now, it says this, for the law having a shadow of good things to come. So, so you done done all this stuff, but it was a foreshadowing. Remember when I went through that? In Genesis, he was a ram in the bush. In Exodus, he was the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he was, he was the high priest. In Numbers, he was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I, I began to go through all the Old Testament and the New Testament to show you what Jesus stood for, where he was. But look at Hebrews 10.1. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The perfect sacrifice was Jesus Christ doing the will of God and doing it perfectly in, in Hebrews 10, 7. This was absolutely essential if there was to be the perfect sacrifice. He had to live a sinless life. By living a sinless life, he stood before God as the perfect ideal man. He stood before God as the very embodiment of righteousness, as the ideal righteousness. Therefore, his ideal righteousness could stand and cover man. When a person looks to Jesus, believes in him with his whole heart, God counts that person righteous. God counts the faith of the person as the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The point is this, the only way Jesus Christ could please God was by doing the will of God. And in order to please God perfectly, Jesus had to do the perfect will of God. This he did. God is perfectly pleased with Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ could make the perfect sacrifice for man, the sacrifice that would be acceptable to God forever. This is the reason that man's only acceptance before God is Jesus Christ. He's only acceptable by God if, if you go through Jesus. God accepts no person unless he comes to him in the perfection of the ideal righteous sacrifice for sin. The only ideal righteousness and sacrifice for sin is the Son of God himself, even the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to approach God the way God wants you to approach him. Oh, come on. Can I talk to the ladies? If he says, shorty. I'm sure he ain't going to be able to put a ring on your hand. Hey, shout it, shout it. Hey, what's your name, shout it? Why? You don't want to talk to him, hopefully, because he's not approaching you the way you want to be approached. So if you got certain ways you want to be approached, why do you try to tell God how to approach him? He said, don't you come to me unless you cover with the blood of Jesus. God turned his own back on his own son, and God said, Eli, Eli, Shabbat tonight. Why did you, why have you forsaken me, God? Because he became sin, and God couldn't look at him. Jesus became every nasty, detestable thing, anything you'd ever do. He nailed it to the cross because they, who he who was nailed to a cross is cursed. He became a curse for you so you wouldn't have to be cursed. I just want to ask some people, why are you still not going to get cows and doves if you're not accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you're still going by the Torah, you need to be making some type of sacrifices even though that sacrifice don't work. I'm off my soapbox. Even. See, this should break your heart towards God, for it shows the glorious love God has for us. 
He loves us so much that he actually prepared a body and sent his own dear son. The only son who has the full and perfect nature of God the Father into this sinful and shameful world. Imagine God came into the world in human body, came to show us the love of God, came to take our sins and their guilt and condemnation upon himself, came to offer up himself as the perfect sacrifice for sins, came to take our sins off us so that we could be counted perfect and made acceptable came to give us life eternal, a life that could fellowship and commune with God forever and ever. The perfect sacrifice was Jesus Christ doing the will of God and doing it perfectly. This was absolutely essential. If there was to be the perfect sacrifice, he had to live a sinless life. By living a sinless life, he stood before God as the perfect ideal man. He stood before God as the very embodiment of righteousness, he, as the ideal righteousness. Therefore, his ideal righteousness could stand and cover man. When a person looks at Jesus, believing in him with his whole heart, God counts that person righteous. God counts the faith of the person righteous of Jesus Christ. See, see, look at the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look, Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. See, justification, it comes from the Greek word dikion, D-I-A-K-I-O-U-N. It's to count someone righteous. It means a reckoning to credit, to account, to judge, to treat, to look upon as righteous. It does not mean to make you righteous. It means to call you righteous. Yeah, yeah, y'all don't hear me. Has somebody ever called you out your name, but it won a higher name? God calling you something you're not, but he elevating you. See, all Greek verbs was in and on, A-U-N, mean not to make something. So when you look at justification, it's ending with I-O-N because it's trying to, it's trying to simulate the, the true Greek with ends with O-U-N. It means it's calling you something you are not. Right? So stop judging the crack head because you ain't righteous either. Stop judging the whoremonger because you ain't righteous either. Now, I don't know your sins, and you don't know my sins, but one thing we know, we both sin. And you ain't righteous just like I'm not righteous. That's why the church be so empty, not because of COVID-19 right now, but sometimes the church will be empty because church folk act like they more holier than Jesus, act like they sitting on the right hand with God, with Jesus, looking down their nose, judging somebody because they skirt short. Come on, somebody. Let's roll back memory lane and go back to the 60s and 70s when that cellulite hadn't hit you. Your skirt was short too, girl. You got to live it because you got old. How we say it, a wrinkle in time stopped you. Now, some of us did become righteous, but some of us, and just when we drop it, we can't pick it back up. Yet, we want to judge other folk because truly, your name in with I un too. Oh, you in. He called you righteous, but you're not. <laughs> See, when Adam sinned, look at Romans. I'm about to get deep with you. Look at, look at Romans uh, 5, 12, 16, and 19. And this is in the NLT. Well, the first two in NLT, I think 19 is in, is in, is in, is in oh, uh, 
King James. When Adam's sin, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death so desperate to everyone for everyone's sin. So when Adam sinned, everybody sinned. That's why we blame Adam. But can I tell you something? He didn't touch that. See, I believe the Garden of Eden, and, and, that, and not, the Garden of Eden, which, which means to be in the presence of God, it, 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 he touched something God told him not to touch, which was a sin. And I believe that that tree in the Garden of Eden, the tree of life, uh, uh, the tree of e e knowledge of good and evil, was representing a tithe. You can have everything in this garden, but don't touch that. So as long as you're not giving your whole 10%, leave Adam alone. And even if you are tithing, don't judge nobody. But some of us say we tithe, but only bring it 5%, 2%, 9%. You still didn't bring the tithe. So you still touching something God told you not to touch. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. And so when you sin, everybody affected because if, if, if you didn't sin and you brought your full tithe, we would need to be doing capital campaigns to help us help and do ministry. People are suffering because of your sin. People suffer because of my sin. People suffer because of sin. The reason why the world ends is because sin is death. Oh, I'm, I'm about to get to it. I'm about to get to it. I'm about to leave my notes in a minute because I'm ready. And the results of God's graciousness, gracious gift, I'm in verse 16, it's very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Come on, somebody. I, Max wouldn't say that. That's, 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 that's in the Bible. And so he called you right, even though you're not. So that's why we shouldn't judge anybody. We should always be ready to bring people to church because we need to understand how God freed us up. If you really want to look over your life and understand how messed up you are and understand that if it was not for God on your side, you wouldn't be in the midst of where you are. You would have been taken out with the coronavirus. You would have been bankrupt and on the street. And some of us even bankrupt right now, but we're still in the house and not missing a meal because he calls you righteous. And because he looks at the blood of Jesus, he came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He didn't come down here for you to be broke. He came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He came here to make sure you understood that even though you messed up, now try to get better, even though you fall short of the glory of God. He calls you righteous, so you blessed in your going and blessed in your coming. You blessed in the valley. You blessed in the field. See, the valley is not just a valley you walking through. He's talking about your downsizes in life. He's talking about your setback. He's talking about your failures. Even though you're going through hell right now, what could have killed somebody else, you still living. That's why you blessed in the valley. You blessed because you covered with the pressure blood of Jesus. And even though your neighbor did the same thing that took them out, you covered with the blood. With your messed up self. Stop acting like you made it. You ain't never going to be righteous. He just calls you that. He lets you borrow his righteousness. So people that then borrow your coat, then borrow your shoes, then borrow your car. And if you thought that made Smokey mad on, on, on Friday, we talking about Jesus, let me borrow your righteousness. Let, let me let me let me borrow your blood so 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 I won't have to spill mine. See, that's why grace should make you want to live better, even though it cleanses you, because once you start thinking about the sacrifices 
that Jesus made for you, it'll make you want to do right. Nineteen, in Romans five, for as by one man's disobedience, Adam, this translation snitched on Adam, and many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You know why he say many? He say many because everybody's not going to accept Jesus. Huh? Everybody's not going to say, Adam's disobedience made all men sinners. I'm going to just say that. But Christ's obedience made many righteous. And, and it say many because if you don't accept the sacrifice, if you keep trying to be justified by works, now, yes, you need to build the kingdom of God. Yes, you need to grow your church. Yes, you need to do evangelism. But that's not what's getting you in heaven. You're justified by faith because God don't care about your works if you're not holy. You had to bring a holy sacrifice to God, a perfect sacrifice. And you ain't perfect and ain't nothing you got perfect. So maybe your pastor. No, I'm just playing. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> don't kill me, God. He never sinned, never displeased God, not even once. He was perfectly righteous, securing the ideal righteousness. Since his righteousness is the ideal righteousness, he can stand for the righteousness of all men. And that is exactly what happens when a man believes in Jesus Christ. God takes that man's belief and counts it as righteousness. Y'all don't hear me? I'm trying to make it simple. God lets the ideal righteousness of Jesus Christ cover the man because the man believes and honors his son, Jesus Christ. Any man who will so honor God's son by believing and trusting him, God will honor by counting his faith as the righteousness of Christ. It is that simple, yet that profound. I'm, I'm going to get into it. I'm glad I cut this sermon up. By the obedience of Jesus Christ shall many be made righteous. But note. A person must truly believe he or she must have the kind of belief that really trusts Jesus Christ, that really casts his or her life upon Jesus Christ, that casts all that he or she is and has upon Christ and his keeping. The point is this. The only way Jesus Christ could please God was by doing the will of God. And in order to please God perfectly, Jesus Christ had to do the perfect will of God. This he did. God is perfectly pleased with Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ couldn't make the perfect sacrifice for man. The sacrifice that would be acceptable to God forever and ever. This is the reason that man's only acceptable for God is Jesus Christ. God accepts no person unless he or she comes to him in the perfection of the ideal righteousness and sacrifice for sin. The only ideal righteousness and sacrifice for sin is the Son of God himself, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. Let me tell you about Peter. Remember when Peter was telling Jesus not to go to the cross? And then Jesus said, get you behind me, Satan, is because Satan had just figured out that if he killed Jesus, he broke the law. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, look, 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 look. The wages of sin is what? Death. So, so if you never sin, you're never supposed to do what? Die. And Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. They were in the perfect will of God, which means they never would do what? 
die. They never would die because they never had sin. Jesus wasn't born into sin because he was born of a virgin and God was the only DNA. See, 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 the reason why the child is messed up is not because of the mama before they born. <laughs> I'm talking about that. I don't know what child do after they born. But, but, but when it's born, it's born into sin because the man has sinned and now his bloodline is mixed with the baby. So he has a sinful nature because he was not produced by a perfect man. And so Jesus was not born into sin because he was birthed out of the DNA of God. A woman, God, a woman's body is so perfect. It has what is called a placenta on the inside of her. It only is produced when she is, is pregnant, and the placenta protects the baby and keeps the baby covered in no outside influences except the blood of the man influences it. In fact, sometimes a woman has to get a shot so that she, her body, would not attack the baby because her body doesn't understand what's in it. But, but the placenta keeps the mother away from from messing anything up or anything messing with the baby because it's covered. Jesus was perfect. He did not sin. And so he never was supposed to die. And then Satan had just figured out, oh man, I shouldn't send him to the cross because if I kill Jesus, I done broke the law. Everybody else would go to hell if I leave Jesus alone. And he said, get you behind me, Satan. The joke on you. See, God got that dry like Seinfeld humor. That's the something say, oh, no, don't worry. Get you behind me, Satan. I know that ain't Peter. You're trying to keep me from going to the cross. And, and I used to wonder why Jesus said, don't get it twisted. No man take my life. And the reason why he said, no man take my life. See, they had Jesus on the edge of the mountain. And if I fall, y'all better erase it. He had Jesus on the edge of the mountain one time. Oh, there go a mountain. It's safer. They had Jesus on the edge of the mountain. <laughs> And, 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 and it said that he eluded them, which means Jesus pretty much teleported out the way so they wouldn't push him over the mountain. He did a Captain Kirk on them. He teleported and got out the way because he said, it is not yet my time because he was playing with the devil because he wanted the devil to figure out what he was doing. And once the devil... Was saying, Get ye. he said, don't go to the cross. Jesus understood the joke on you because if Jesus never would have went to the cross, Jesus would still be walking amongst us right now because the wages of sin is death and he never would have sinned and he wasn't born in his sin. But also he was born legally. He who was not entered through the gate has only come to kill, steal, and destroy. The gate is a woman. So Jesus has legal authority because he entered into this dimension legally. So now he's 100% man and 100% divine. Now because he's 100% divine, he can reconcile God to man because God don't want to talk to us because we're sinful. And because he's a human man he, and he's perfect, he can reconcile man to God. So that's why he's the son of God and the son of man, because he reconciles man to God and allows us to communicate with him. But he also reconciles God to us because God don't want to talk to us because we sinful. And, and, and God is so subtle with his shade that he makes sure everything was perfect because Pontius Pilate wiped his hands. He didn't put him to the cross. He said, this man is innocent. The high priest gave his assent. And it became not an execution. It became a sacrifice because the high priest offered him up. 
He made sure he went through all this stuff so Satan couldn't legally get me. Stop trying to act like you're going to be perfect. You covered with the blood of Jesus. His grace makes you righteous. <laughs> y'all don't hear me. I'm trying to help you. The high priest gave Jesus up. Pun and pilot, wash his hands. I ain't doing it. And he didn't do it just to be humble. He did it because God made him do it because he needed everything to be in line. But not only was a natural sinful high priest putting Jesus on the altar, Jesus was a high priest himself. And Jesus made sure you understood this, Satan. He said, look here. He said, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said. The joke on you. He, and he said this. He said, look here. Look at what he said. Look at what he said. He said, he said, uh, um, don't get it twisted. No man take my life. I lay it down. So he's telling Satan the same way I alluded you on the mountain. The same way I turned water into wine. I could have called 12 legions of angels down here to, 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 to kill everybody. Do you know that even... Let me tell you something. First of all, he was perfect. So he went on his own. Let me finish this talk. He went on his own accord. So it wasn't like a bullet going without our permission, without the bullet's permission. Jesus said, I'm going willingly. And if he wouldn't have gone willingly, there would be no atonement for sin. If he would not have been perfect, there would be no atonement for sin. In fact, he tried to use Abraham, but Abraham kept lying about Sarah, talking about that was his sister because she was so fine. He thought somebody was going to kill him. He tried to use Isaiah, but Isaiah kept cussing everybody out, so he had to put the hot rocks on his tongue. He tried to use Jeremiah, but Jeremiah kept crying. He tried to use Samson. He wouldn't leave Lila alone. He tried to use David. He wouldn't leave nobody alone. <laughs> huh? He tried to use Noah, but he couldn't leave the ENJ alone. He tried to use all these people, and he said, you know what? I see nobody perfect and nothing bigger than me. He said, I swear by myself, walked down 40 in two burning generations and enrolled himself in the flesh and came out Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. So God himself walked among us to teach us what to do. And because he knew we couldn't get it right, the only thing he takes you can cheat off of is his life. Cheat off my paper. Just, just, just say, just say Jesus. You don't know Elsa dies to God or all other gods. Just say, just say Jesus. You don't know Jehovah Shalom is, is, is my peace. Just, 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 just say Jesus. If, if you don't know Jehovah McKinnis is, is my righteousness, just, 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 just say Jesus. If you don't know Jehovah Rapha is your healer, just, just, just say, just say Jesus. And, and, and just, I am. Just, 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 just call my name. If I could sing, I would have said, you know. Come running. That's what Jesus said. Put his name on it. <laughs> Let me get out of here. I got to hurry up. This sermon was short last night. I swear it was. The perfect sacrifice made it necessary for God to take away the old sacrifice system and establish a new testament or covenant with man. 
I'm not going to try to tell all y'all this in this sermon because we got some more sermons that lead up to all this stuff. So you got to get, you got to pay attention to this series. Above when he says sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou when it's not, neither hath pleasure therein, when are offered by the law. Then said he, which is Jesus, Lo, I come to do thy will. O God, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. He took away the old sacrificial system and brought in Jesus. This only reemphasizes that what has been said above. The old sacrifices for sins were inadequate and powerless to take away sins. If sin was to be removed, there had to be a perfect sacrifice. God loves man and loves him eternally. Therefore, he willed to send his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to become the perfect sacrifice. And note how Jesus Christ responded, Lord, I come to do thy will, O God. He didn't just do it for you. He did it for God. He didn't just do it for me. He did it for God. Let me read Ephesians 2, 15, because remember, he got rid of the first so he might establish a second. That's why you got to read your whole Bible. You can't just read one story and think you got it together because the Bible goes together line upon line and precept upon precept. It says this in Ephesians 2, 15 and 16. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He came to reconcile us to God. I'm going to read this, and I'm almost done. I promise you. I promise you I'm almost done. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your faith, of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing to his cross. He took the law that he knew you couldn't do, and he did it himself. And because Satan broke the law on him, God never lies. He used, can, can I tell you how bad God is? God is so bad. He let the devil break the law so he could legally save us without having lied. He used Satan against himself. Huh? That's the ultimate Tai Chi move right there. He used the hate that the devil had for us against himself. He was so bent on killing Jesus so we wouldn't be saved that he fell into the trap of letting Jesus go to the cross. But Jesus said, all right, don't get it twisted. You set it in motion, but you can't kill me. If I ain't want to die, I wouldn't go. Letting you know, I let you set up the story, Satan. They knew who Jesus was. Let me tell you something. People know who you are. See, can I, let, me, let me help you at your job. Let me help you at your job. Let me help you at your job. I know some of y'all like all this save stuff. I don't want to know. You need to know this because you need to know why the devil ain't justified to mess you up. This is what I got to tell you. I forgot. Huh? Oh, yeah, I'm going to help you with the job. They hate you on your job because they hated Jesus. Jesus said they hated me when I called on the master. Did you know they knew who Jesus was? When they gave 30 pieces of silver to Judas, remember J Judas tried to take it back? 
And he said, they said, I don't want this money that was used to kill innocent blood. It's your money. You gave it to them, but they didn't want it back because they knew they had killed an innocent man. When they went to go get Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, you know what they did? They bowed down and worshiped him and then got up and took him. They worshiped him. They worshiped him because they knew who he was. Peter tried to kill him, cut the man's ear off, trying to cut his head off. Jesus put the ear back on If They didn't know. If you don't know, now you know. You know what I'm saying? They saw him. And, 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 and Nicodemus, the, the, he was a Pharisee. We call him Nick at night. He came to Jesus in the nighttime because he knew who he was, but he didn't want his boys to know. That he wanted to go because all of them knew. That. He said, we know who you are, but how do we be born again? Jesus was so bad when he healed Lazarus from the dead. After four days, they said, you know what? He done did a daggone thing that's too powerful. We got to kill him because, see, they knew that you was dead. Even when they, when, see, back then, they thought you was dead. If, if Only if you was dead past four days. They thought you might have just been asleep. Now, your alarm clock ain't did nothing if you can sleep three days. They believe that the spirit hovered over you, so if you was there for three days, you might not be dead. So that's why Jesus tarried around. And remember, it said he was a Sabbath day away, a Sabbath day journey. See, it wasn't a whole day. A Sabbath day journey is like less than a mile. Because a Sabbath day journey, you can only walk a little bit less than a mile on a Sabbath day because you can't work. That's the Jewish custom. So he was right down the street, but he wanted him to stay dead one more day. So when he go do this miracle, he set it off. And everybody got mad. Caiaphas and all the people in the Sanhedrin, they were so mad at him, they had a secret meeting. They didn't have it with the whole Pharisees and Sadducees, Sanhedrin. They had a meeting by themselves. We got to kill Jesus, even though they knew he was God. They knew he was God. They didn't, they didn't, want, they didn't want their money back because it was evil money. They worshiped him when they went to go get him. They knew who he was. But they were so bent up on power, they wanted to destroy him and kill him. But you know what? I ain't got to go to the cross like Jesus. Jesus went to the cross and let his enemies take him to the cross, so I wouldn't have to go to the cross. Now, a weapon may be formed against me, but because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, it will not prosper. No, it will not. He went through all that hell so I wouldn't have to. He let them take him so I wouldn't have to let them take me. Well, Y'all better watch out. He let the devil take him. He laid his life down so you wouldn't have to. All you got to do is call his name and live for him. For the perfect sacrifice sets us apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. He is the perfect an ideal man. Hebrews 10, 10. Therefore, when he offered his body as the sacrifice for sin, it was a perfect sacrifice. Being perfect, it was completed, fulfilled, and finished forever. It perfectly satisfied the holiness, righteousness, and justice of God once and for all. This means a most wonderful thing. When a person comes to God, by Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Christ is applied to the person. The perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ covers the person's sin, and he is counted sinless by God. The person is not sinless, but he is accepted as perfect by God. Therefore, the person can fellowship and commune with God 
live with God both now and forever day by day, experiencing no end of the days. Imagine living forever with God, all because Jesus bore the sins, guilt, and condemnation for him. All because Jesus Christ has sanctified what and set him apart and made him acceptable to God forever. And what I'm saying is this, when Jesus was sacrificed, he said, let them who are with me come with me. So what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that Jesus was sanctified, which he was. I'm saying Jesus sanctified you and took you out of sin because he became sin for you. So everything he bore on the cross was all the stuff you did and going to do that ain't right. And so stop thinking you can be justified by works. You're only justified by faith because God only accepts a perfect sacrifice and you're not perfect. God don't want your sacrifice because what you give him, he don't want. He want perfect sacrifice. He don't even want your tithes. He wants you to do it because you love him. That's why he said, if you give, cool. If you don't, cool. But, but you, you, you're not going to be as blessed as you should be. But, but I don't want you to feel obligated. I want you to do it because you love me. It's a foreshadow. He had to do it. And Aaron's people kept up with the money. You had to do it because he said so. But then because... Uh, um, Abraham gave to Melchizedek what was, a, was, was a, a shadow of Jesus because he gave willingly. Then he did away with that and said, you know what? I, I don't want you to have to do nothing. But you know what? You'll walk in more power if you do. If you stop touching the tree of life, I mean the tree of knowledge and good and evil, modern day Adams and Adamettes, I bless you. Walk in the grace that Jesus has done for you. Understand this, when people call you your mistakes, just let them know you're righteous. In fact, you don't even have to say anything to them. Now, try to live better and try to get it right, but know they messed up just like you. You don't have to tell them. They already know. They already know. But walk in your power and your confidence because you understand <laughs> that Jesus is your sacrifice. When he was sanctified and set apart by God and made perfect, so were you.